1: Remember what you said, you return that I might live in my father.
2: As it relates to who God is, we have to appeal to the Bible. I cannot know God ultimately apart from the revelation that he has been pleased to give me of himself. I cannot know God except in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John's Gospel in chapter 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no
0: man comes to the Father except or but by me. Many people have preconceived ideas of who God is, even before they come to know him as their Lord and Savior. After becoming a Christian, you need to be careful where you go for information when you're learning about God's character. Will you believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God? Or trust in human ideas and philosophy? Today Pastor Mike will explain that you don't need to look anywhere else except in the Bible to have an accurate view of God. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John Chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Holiness of God.
2: We have to begin with God. That is, we must understand the true character of God. That is, to enter into that full experience of fellowship and communion with God, we have to understand the true character of God. And here, quite frankly, we are told God is a holy God. Now, I believe that many of our problems stem from a wrong understanding of who God is. And in a little later on in our study, we'll talk about these problems. So anyway, we have to begin with God and who he is. But here's the problem. Many of us, rather than beginning with God, begin with us. And we begin with our problems and with our needs and with our demands. So what can I get out of this Christian faith? What can I get out of having this fellowship and communion with God? Well, if John, who is the writer of this epistle, had the opportunity to address us, he would tell us, forget yourselves, and rather, contemplate God. And what does he tell us concerning God? Well, again, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So John is saying, in effect... Then this is the message which we have heard of him, not that your needs and mine can suddenly be met by the gospel and the gospel message, which is true. I mean, certainly the gospel does address man's needs, but rather, and this is the most important thing, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So the point being is that we need to start with God and not ourselves. You know, this becomes now a very valuable test, by the way. Here's just a side note of any teaching or of any doctrine which may cross our path. Think about this. I mean, it all has to go back to God and who he is, his character, his nature. Think about this. The characteristic of cults and every other false religion is that it begins with an appeals to self. Promoting the ideas, and this is the hook that draws people in. You can obtain superior wisdom. And isn't that one of the tenets of many of these false religions and cults? Hey, listen, you can receive superior understanding by being a member of our little group. Or, here's another suggestion. They promote the idea that you can get monetary gain, or you can create your own reality. No wonder they're so successful. Those are the hooks that draw people in. But listen, true Christianity, true Christian faith, fellowship and communion with God, and enjoyment of life, which is what God wants you to experience, must begin with Him, and knowing who He is. Now, something else I want you to think about, according to the Bible, the initial cause of man's ills is that having been created in the likeness and the image of God, and that's what we're told in the book of Genesis, right, in the very beginning in chapter 1, instead of living a life, and this is the problem, instead of living a life in subservience to God, we've exalted ourselves. We've claimed sort of an equality with God. But this kind of self-assertion always leads to problems and perplexities. I mean, we as people spend too much time and attention on our own conditions, our environment, our needs, our desires, our happiness. Folks, listen, we need to see ourselves in the sight of God. We need to start with him. And so that's where we begin. That's the first thing that I wanted to draw to your attention. We need to begin with God. Now, that brings us to our second point this evening. And remember now what we're talking about. We're talking about fellowship and communion with God, the things that would prevent us from experiencing that to the fullest. Now, that brings us to our second point this evening. We've got to begin with God, not look to ourselves and our needs. Secondly, we must accept the revelation concerning God in the Bible, and primarily in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, it is not enough for us to say that we must always start with God. We must ask ourselves, what is the truth concerning God? And these are some of the questions that need to be addressed. Who is God, and what do we know about Him? Now, I want you to think about this and this is the illustration, this is an example, how confused people are concerning who God is. Ask the average Joe on the street, someone that you come into contact with, maybe someone at your place of employment. Ask him this question, do you believe in God? And I think the majority of the people who you ask that question would say, yes, of course I I believe in God. But here's the problem. That same average Joe, when something terrible happens begins to ask the question, how can a God of love allow such conditions to exist? And think of some of the things that are going on in the world today. And they attribute those things to God. One of the things that just absolutely baffles me, and and is sort of comedic, is uh, when these uh, natural disasters happen, and uh, insurance companies are involved in that whole process, They refer to it as an act of God, right? And they attribute to all of that suffering as if God is behind it. And so this average Joe basically is telling you what he thinks of God and not actually what he knows of God. Because if we've applied ourselves to learning about who he is, if we truly know him, we know that God is a good God, that God is a God of love, right? And he wants the best for his children. So to believe in God, to know him, we must accept the revelation of him concerning all of what is recorded for us in the Bible. And so we need to appeal to the Bible and what the Bible tells us concerning God. Notice in verse 5, go back to our text for a moment, that word declare, you see that word declare there in verse 5? Can be literally translated announce or proclaim. Those would be accurate translations of this word, declare. And that's exactly what John is trying to accomplish. He is announcing who God is. He's declaring to us from his own personal experience. Notice he is not saying, this is sort of a a picture, a feeling that I have of God, right? He's not coming from what he thinks God is like, but rather he's declaring Who God is. You see, there are only two positions. Think about this. We either regard the Bible as authoritative, or else we trust in human ideas and philosophy. And it's amazing to me the way when you ask that question okay, so you believe in God, but can you tell me something about the character and the nature of God? And the way that they go about describing Him or defining Him. So we mustn't trust human ideas and philosophy as it relates to who God is, we have to appeal to the Bible. I cannot know God ultimately apart from the revelation that he has been pleased to give me of himself. I cannot know God except in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John's gospel in chapter 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except or but by me. So if this is true, then I want you to think about this. How then could we believe that we can find God whenever we seek for him by our own efforts? And it can't be done. You have to appeal to the scriptures. The Holy Spirit, who is the great teacher, has to open up those scriptures to us and reveal to us the very character and the nature of God and who God is this is something that cannot be accomplished by any of us by our own efforts Jesus is absolutely essential in this process and we cannot know God except we believe this revelation concerning him John's gospel in chapter 1 and verse 18 it says no one has seen God at any time the only begotten son that is Jesus who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. And so you want to know what the Father is like, what God the Father is like? All you need to do is study the life of Christ as is revealed to us in the Scriptures. You see that? So John, now think about this. There was a time when John had certain ideas, beliefs concerning God, but the truth of the matter was that it wasn't until he met Jesus, walked with Jesus, that those ideas were set straight. And so it is with us in our own experience, right? I mean, think about it. All of us has come into this Christian experience of ours with preconceived ideas of who God is. And over a period of time, applying ourselves to studying and learning of Jesus and, and studying the Scriptures, and also through our own personal experience, God working in us, giving it to us, the Holy Spirit, illuminating our understanding, right? Then those ideas have been set straight. And isn't that exactly what John is suggesting here in verse 5? Go back to verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare unto you, right? You know, it was Martin Luther who said, and I quote, I know no God, but Jesus Christ. Christ, and how true that is. So people's tendency is to say that we are all right in our belief of God, but the trouble is their belief in Jesus Christ. That's where the confusion comes in. You see, it is only there in the incarnate Son that we can really know God as our Father and truly have fellowship with Him. And so, gang, we must accept the revelation concerning God in the Bible. And let me tell you something. You'll never be let down by doing that. You don't need to look elsewhere to come to the accurate understanding and description of who God is. Just appeal to the Bible, and the Bible will never let you down. I'm telling you, right? You may have some questions, particularly in life struggles. Where's God? Why? You know, I think at one time or another, we've all had to wrestle with that same question. You know, if God is supposed to be such a good God, why has he allowed something so terrible to come into my life? It's hard to reconcile the two, I understand that. But in time, the truth will come to pass and God will reveal himself to us. And so we must accept the revelation concerning God in the Bible. It's absolutely true and accurate. Now that brings us to our third point, The next proposition is that we must start with the holiness of God, which is the title of this evening's message. Now, are you surprised by that statement? This next proposition is that we must start with the holiness of God. You know, to know God, to have fellowship and communion with God, that's where we have to start. Shouldn't we start with the love of God? Shouldn't we start with the mercy of God, with the compassion of God? No. John says that we need to start with the holiness of God. God is holy. You see, this is how John confronts us and addresses the subject of joy. Remember last time together, last Thursday, we talked about fullness of joy, how to secure it, right? That was the subject that we treated last time together. Go back to verse 4. Let's just read it again. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full which is a part of your fellowship and communion with god it's just the the fruit and the byproduct of having fellowship and communion with him so notice here and then in context he continues on in the next the very next verse and he confronts us and he addresses that subject of joy how by our understanding that god is a holy god so don't start with the power of god The greatness of God, the love of God, although all of these things are true, absolutely true and wonderful attributes of God, they're absolutely true, but here's the point. You'll never know these other qualities of God, the love, the greatness, and all of the other things that we just mentioned, those other qualities of God, unless you begin here, and that is with his holiness. Let me give you an example of this, and I've already touched on it. So if, we, if the only understanding that we have concerning the character and the nature of God is that God is love, that God is always smiling upon us, well, when calamity comes a-knocking at our door, trouble, wars, conflicts, what happens? If we don't understand the holiness of God, if that isn't a part of the equation, what happens? We become baffled. We become disillusioned, and thus we turn our backs upon God. We get into that mindset. say, well, I thought God was a, you know, a loving God and was concerned about me, and I mean, after all, I gave my life to him. Didn't he take control over it? And we become confused. We become baffled. And that's why it's so important that we begin with the holiness of God. The trouble is that we didn't start the way the scriptures start, and that is with the holiness of God. So... God is utter and absolute righteousness, justice, and holiness. But unfortunately, the world in which we live in, these are qualities that are absent. And no wonder all of these problems. If people would just recognize that God is a holy God, that he demands holiness, I think it would cause us to be a little bit more careful the way that we live our lives, the things that we choose to do, the things that we choose to do against our brothers and sisters. All of the suffering in the world can be attributed to this very fact. You know, let me give you something else to think about. If you don't start with the holiness of God, you will never, neither understand God's plan of salvation. Think about it. Because it's not all just simply about the love of God. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, it's a very uh, precious verse of, uh, of Scripture. That really speaks to us about about the love of God. But think about this. If you don't start with the holiness of God, you'll really truly never understand fully, comprehend God's plan of salvation, which is that salvation is only possible to us through the death of Jesus upon the cross. But the question arises, why is the cross essential? Why is that the only way whereby mankind can be saved i mean after all if god is only a god of love and mercy then the cross is surely meaningless if god is love alone all he needs to do with man's sin is forgive them but you see his plan of salvation has at the center of it the cross of jesus christ and so god is saying without christ's death i cannot forgive why is that well simply God is light, John tells us here in verse 5. God is light, and in him is no darkness. In other words, he is of such a pure countenance that he cannot behold and look upon man's sin and iniquity. It is the holiness of God that demands the cross. So without starting with holiness, there is no meaning in the cross. And this is why... I'm not surprised, folks, that the cross has been eliminated in the preaching of many of our modern-day theologians. They have started with the love of God without His holiness. And there's a movement afoot where they've eliminated the cross of Jesus Christ altogether. It's all about love. It's all about what you can get out of having this relationship with God. And yes, that, that is a part of our Christian experience. But we must also teach on the subject of the cross. We must also teach on the subject of holiness and how that God demands holiness from his people. It is because they have forgotten the life of God, his holy character, his holy life, that everything in him and about him is holy. And thus he can only forgive sin as he has dealt with it in his own holy manner. And that is exactly what he did on the cross. All the central doctrines of the Christian faith must begin with the holiness of God, the incarnation, the resurrection, the coming of, the, of Christ the second time, the Holy Spirit. Now, concerning true fellowship, let me close with this. There's nothing that exposes the faults so much as standing face-to-face with the holy God, right? Isn't that true? And so there is only one way to have true and lasting joy, fellowship and communion with God, and that is to start with the holiness of God. And so what do we need to do? Well, this is our responsibility. This is what we need to do. We need to get rid of everything That is false within us. We need to empty ourselves so that God can fill us with this overflowing joy. But again, the bottom line here, once again, there's only one way to have true and lasting joy, fellowship and communion with God, and that is to start with the holiness of God. Let's get rid of everything that is false within us. Let us empty ourselves so God can fill us with this overflowing joy. That's exactly what he wants to do. Isn't that an amazing thing, truth? That God wants us to experience a true, not a trinkling of joy, but joy everlasting, overflowing.
1: In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long to be
0: We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 John. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can view his past teachings when you click on the Vimeo link or listen online. Just click on the Resources tab to find out more. Sometimes life can get busy, and between work, family, and all your other obligations, it's hard to find the time to dig deeply into the Bible for yourself. We want to encourage you to make time with the Lord a priority in your life. And we have some great resources linked at harvestnyc.org. To help you do just that. We also invite you to join our mailing list for daily devotionals. You can sign up at harvestnyc.org. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. And be sure to give us a call if you have any questions. 212-247-1877. That's 212-247-1877. That brings us to the end of our study today. Join Pastor Mike next time to continue learning and growing in faith Right here on In My Father's House.
1: Where I love to be oh my heart, will not be troubled.